Today on the show, I'm going to talk about change. How do you change? What keeps you from changing? And what do you need to change? Please continue to support the podcast by rating and reviewing it on iTunes and sharing it with a friend. If you know someone that you think would enjoy the podcast, please share it with them. Help me get the word out. Please also support the podcast with a donation. I rely on the generosity of you, my listeners, to help support the program. Typically, I travel around giving workshops and charging a fee. And here I am providing this content for you for free. All I ask is that you make a contribution to support the program. You can give what you feel that you've received from the podcast. It could be the price of a yoga class. You can go to the storyofmepodcast.com and on the contact page, there's a donate button. You can also find a link in the episode description. Please support the program, make a donation, and show me that you're enjoying this content. You can also go to the podcast website to submit your questions to be answered on the program. I would like to invite you, the listeners, to the Dutch Kundalini Yoga Festival. It's from December 17th to the 22nd. There will be all kinds of activities there. There will be workshops. In fact, I'll be giving a workshop there, but there will be many others with different teachers and concerts. In fact, the music you're hearing in the background is from Prithi Nivaskar, who will be giving a concert there as well. And you can listen to the interview I did with her on episode 26. There'll be a healing area, a bazaar, and also activities for children so you can bring the whole family. It's a great way to start off the new year, to begin and prepare yourself for 2022. You don't need to have prior kundalini yoga experience. It's for all levels, beginners, new people. It's just a festival for you to meet like-minded people and learn a little bit about yourself and share in the beautiful energy. For more information, go to kundaliniyogafestival.nl. Hope to see everyone there. Beautiful am I, bountiful am I, blissful am I, wahe guru, beautiful am I. Welcome to the story of me with Amarjit Singh. This is where my guests and I share personal stories from our life and explore the psychological insights that were learned from these experiences. Each story will entertain you, as well as increase your understanding of your own psychological patterns. Then, through the principles of yoga psychology, you will learn how to overcome the resistance that is holding you back from living a more fulfilling life. Join me every Tuesday for a new episode, where I share my experiences in psychological understanding, interview guests, and answer listener questions. Now let's get started with the podcast that awakens your inner power through awareness and understanding. Welcome to the show. For new listeners, my name is Amarjit Singh and I am your host. For old listeners, welcome back. It's good to have everyone again. I hope everyone is doing well. I'm here still in Germany and it is starting to get cold and I am not built for the cold weather. To begin with, before we get into today's show about change, a little update on our psychological war. 
which I talked about in the beginning of every episode, but especially last week's episode, we went through what a psychological war is. And for people who didn't hear this, you can go ahead and listen back to that. But just briefly, psychological warfare is the planned tactical use of propaganda, threats, and other non-combat techniques to mislead, intimidate, demoralize, or otherwise influence the thinking or behavior of an enemy. And you are an enemy, according to the people who are influencing this narrative. And we talked about the different weapons of the opposition army, like the censorship of truth, manipulation of language, coercion, intimidation, and keeping you unbalanced and keeping you separated, and also trying to divide the enemy into groups to make you weaker, like they've been doing with racism, with the left versus right, with all these different ways to divide. One thing that came to my attention is, uh, I think it's last last week in the Netherlands, they went into a minor lockdown, right, for three weeks for my Dutch people over there. And I guess it's after 8 p.m., the bars and restaurants are closing. I don't know if you have to be home or not, but they're saying they're doing this because the infection rate is getting high. Now, it may be getting high. This is uh, bound to happen, right? I bet if we really examined it, the flu is going up in infection rate as well. Now, to close down things after 8 p.m. is going to have no effect. The, the complete lockdowns had very little to no effect. And this partial lockdown, of course, is going to have no effect. And my belief is that it is just a precursor to a full lockdown. And they are just preparing you psychologically because in three weeks, they're going to come back and say, well, it didn't have enough impact, so we have to lock down more. And it's this psychological warfare to keep you unbalanced and also to prepare you for this threat of it getting worse. It's just like being a frog in a pot and they're starting to slowly heat up the water so you don't notice that you're being cooked. Another thing that I noticed is every day in the news, they're talking about the number of infections. Well, they don't do this with the flu every year. They don't do this with different diseases. Why don't they give us the numbers of of heart disease or of, of deaths from smoking? Uh, all things that really we can have an impact on by changing the health, by getting people to stop uh, smoking and do many things. So it's odd that they don't talk about this if they're going to talk about the other thing on a daily basis. The other way that they're manipulating you through this information is the way they're counting deaths. Now, most of these deaths, or I don't know about most of them, but many of the deaths are people who died with COVID, not from COVID, to begin with. The second thing is, if you look at the numbers, they're cumulative to when this virus first broke out. However, if you look at every year when they announce the deaths from the flu, they start from zero each flu season. The flu season's from about October to April, 
March. Yeah, it's about February, March, around there. And they start over every year. So why aren't they starting over with the numbers from coronavirus? Because it's more threatening to tell you 100,000 people or 90,000 people have been killed by this virus rather than tell you, oh, it's 50 people this season so far. And this is another way they're trying to manipulate you. And so all my fellow warriors fighting this psychological war, just understand this. Let people know what they're doing. Try to resist all these lockdowns, resist all these mandates that make no sense and have no effect. Our psychological disposition is going to be stronger than theirs, and we will win in the end. Hopefully. All right. So now let's get today's episode about change. Now, change is an interesting thing when we look at this and we look at our lives. And we're actually, you know, I, I thought of this topic because of looking at other people's lives. Uh, of course, there's things I need to change. I'm not denying that. But it's easy to see extreme cases. And when we see people who are engaging behaviors that are not very healthy for them, uh, living in environments that are not healthy for them, and participating in activities that aren't good for them, we can wonder, why aren't they changing? And what does it take to change? And like I said, it's easy to see these extreme cases. But even ourselves, when, we look at our, you, when you look at yourself, and there's certain habit patterns that you have that you may not be happy about, there's certain obstacles that keep getting in your way, these patterns that keep coming up. So how do we change these things about ourselves? Also, we can talk about how do we notice what we need to change, because there's a lot of things that you're unaware of that are unconscious, and they're contributing to behavior that is taking you away from being authentic, being expressive, Okay, I'm being joined by a couple dogs. Uh, you could probably hear their footsteps in the background. Anyway, uh, keep going. So we're talking about changing, and, and like I said, many of these behaviors are unconscious. So how do you become conscious of them? Because they are affecting your success. They're affecting your relationships. They're affecting every aspect of your life. And once you do become conscious of them, how do you change? So really what we're talking about is what keeps you attached to a particular behavior. The first thing is this false identification. And what is false identification? We've talked about this on many episodes, and it's identifying with something that is not you, but identifying with it as it is you. And we often do this with our thoughts. We think, because I think something, this is me, this is my thought, and we react to the thought. And that reaction means you're identifying with it. If you're having a disagreement with someone and you hear that little voice in your head that says, just yell at that person or just be angry or do something, and then you react to it, 
that's a false identification. You're having a thought, and then you're reacting to that thought, and that means that you think that thought is you, that you have to react. And this is the way this false identification works, right? You have something that happens to you that that you identify with, so you're reacting to it. And a good rule of thumb to understand what is not you and what is you is anything that changes is not you. You are the permanent being that is illuminating this experience. You are the consciousness. And this consciousness does not change. And this is the only thing that you should identify with. Everything else is false because it's temporary. And one of the biggest contributors to this false identification is your ego. And this is a very tricky one for many people because they don't understand what is the ego. First of all, where is your ego located? Is it in your arm? Is it in your foot? Is it in your leg? Your back? It's in your mind? Where is it in the mind? Is it in the frontal lobe? Is it in the pituitary gland? Where is the ego? When we try to locate the ego and we try to identify where it is, we realize that it doesn't exist anywhere because what is the ego but a collection of thoughts, right? It's a group of thoughts that you identify with. You say, I am a teacher, or I am a lawyer, I am a doctor, I am a man, I am a woman, I am a father, I am a mother, I am a homeowner. Whatever you are saying after the words I am is this identification. Now, yeah, in society, we need to do this when people say, oh, what do you do? I'm a flute maker. I'm a teacher. And we say that because it makes communication easier, and it would be very strange to, to try to say it another way. But it's important to understand that this is not who you are, to not identify with these thoughts. We, we say, oh, I am, a, I am uh, an introvert. I am shy. I am not shy. And these are just attachments to these thoughts. And the reason why these thoughts are so ingrained in you is because of the feeling that they give you. Think about what happens when you lose your job or you break up a relationship or something even worse happens to you. Then your whole life changes, right? You can't say, oh, I am a lawyer because you lost your job. And maybe this is how you felt valuable. Every week or every month you got that paycheck and that was reinforcement that you were doing a good job. And this is what happens when people break out of a relationship or or lose their job is they lose this sense of identification and it leads to depression. And you can go back and listen to the episode I did on depression to get more information about this idea and how it uh, causes depression. But what we're talking about in this episode is this identification with these thoughts because you have these thoughts And then they create some kind of sensation in you, and you react to that sensation. I remember everything causes vibration. Every vibration causes a feeling. 
and you have this vibration, whether it's being proud of, I am a lawyer, I am a doctor, or whatever it is, I am a yoga teacher, and it creates a sensation in the body, and then that body makes you feel a particular way, or that, I'm sorry, that sensation makes you feel a particular way, and then you react to this. And the same thing with the ego and things about yourself that you're not so happy with. Maybe you're not feeling confident because you think, I'm not very good at whatever it is. I'm not very good at this aspect of my life or this aspect of my career or this aspect of relationships. And so you start to identify with this because it is something that has been with you for a long time, right? Maybe lifetimes. You're still working out this karma, but you start to identify so strongly with it that you start to consider it an aspect of your personality. And then it's absorbed into this idea of who you are. And this makes you react because you get this vibration of, I am not very good at this. And so when you're position in a position where you have to perform this activity or this task, you remember this feeling or this experience you had that was very negative or that you felt traumatized from, and it brings back this vibration. And then this vibration causes you to behave in a way that is a reactive way. You know, every time I feel sad or every time I feel scared or every time I feel insecure, I do. And this is what happens. This is why you're eating when you're not hungry. You're watching too much television. You're involved in drugs and alcohol. You're involved in some activity to manage the vibration so that these feelings can be managed. And this is what we do is we try to manage these feelings and we are reacting and reacting and then we try to manage them so we separate ourselves from them. And this is the biggest obstacle to change is this false identification to these thoughts. And these thoughts have deep roots. They come from traumatic events of the childhood or deep experiences, deep wounds from relationships or from just life's trials and tribulations, many things. They're very challenging because they make us feel uncomfortable because we feel ashamed or we feel hurt or we feel broken from the original experience. And then every time we're reminded of this experience, we react in this way. And this is our attachment, our false identification. And then we love ourselves less, right? Then we don't feel so good about ourselves. And so we hang our head maybe a little lower than normal when we're reminded of these situations. Or we lock ourselves in the house and don't leave, or whatever it is that you do to manage these feelings. This is what's making it difficult to change, is your reaction to the sensations. And this is why I say it's very important to continue to cultivate the sensitivity to this inner experience. 
when you can feel the subtle vibrations, you can recognize when you're reacting before you even react. And you can still identify these as you're reacting if you stop. If you stop reacting because you you can then try to connect to what you're experiencing. These are the particular attachments that you have to all your behavior, and they're all based on these past experiences that you felt were very impactful to you, whether in a negative way or a positive way, and your perception. So when I say even a positive way, because if you have a good experience when you're doing something, then you want to recreate this feeling. I mean, look at when you acknowledge something a little child does and you say, oh, that was so great, and you give them all this attention, what do they do is they try to keep recreating this because they like this attention. They like the feeling that the attention gives them. And so the same thing with you. If you are doing things in a particular way and it makes you feel good, then look at, well, am I attached to it for reasons that are not authentic? And so when we get to this idea of perception, because really, it's all about perception. Remember, I said, if you want to identify these false identifications, look at anything that changes, and this is a something that's false, then look at your relationship with it. Right? In the body, if you have this attachment to how you look that's so strong, it is causing you to disfigure yourself or harm yourself or put yourself out or, or whatever it is, this is a false identification that is affecting you. But really, when we talk about change, what changes? If you say, oh, I want to change, right? Imagine that you go through a period in your life where everything is going poorly. You're losing your house, you lost your relationship, you lost your job. Everything is a problem, and you're having all these issues. Then maybe a couple of years you go to therapy, and things start to change in your life, and you start to have a more successful life, a healthy relationship, a new house, a new car, whatever it is. And then people see you and say, oh, you've changed so much. But what has really changed? Right? You can change your weight, you can change... Uh, your hair color, but what what has changed? And this is the thing is, anything that changes dies, right? Even a, a table that's made out of wood, it's going to eventually disintegrate. Even plastic eventually will disintegrate. Your body, your hair, anything that changes dies. Even things that are not alive, they change until they just disappear. But there's one thing that doesn't die, and this is the consciousness, the soul. And if it doesn't die, that means it doesn't change. And if it doesn't change, it means it's perfect or imperfect. But whichever one it is, it cannot become the other. So we assume that it's perfect, right? And the idea of life is to find this perfection, to be able to experience this perfection. And so if you are already perfect, then what changes? And what we're talking about changes, we're talking about behavior. 
about the way you think, the way you act, the way you react. And how do you change these things? Well, it's just based on your perception. Right? You look in the mirror and you say, I am beautiful. I am a great person. I am a happy person. And then your behavior reflects this. If you truly feel this, if you honestly, deep, authentically feel this, then you start to behave this way. But if instead you look in the mirror and you say, I am a loser, I am a terrible person, I am always getting to trouble, I'm always doing bad things, how's your behavior? How are your thoughts? Because then you start to react to this. So really, when we're talking about change, it's really just this perception of how you see yourself, how you identify to yourself. And this is why all these false identifications kind of get in the way of the truth. And remember, the truth is that you're already perfect. And if you're already perfect, why aren't you behaving this way? And it's because these false identifications are so strong that you can't let go of them. And it's interesting because I can tell you, oh, you're not your mind and you're not your body. And I say this in my workshops or yoga classes, and the students look at me like, okay, I know this already. This is beginning yoga stuff. Tell me something more advanced. I want to learn something. But then when you examine their life or even uh, their behavior, that they're reacting to things because they have this false identification. So that intellectually, they understand they're not their mind and they're not their body, but experientially, they don't know how to separate them. Now, you can go back to episode 28, How to Experience Yourself Beyond Your Mind and Body, and I give a very practical way for you to learn how to experience this. Because it's one thing to know it intellectually, and it's another thing to be able to experience it. And it's very helpful to learn how to get past these reactive behaviors, because this is what we're talking about, is all these reactions that are taking you away from your authenticity. Now, if the thing that is really changing is just our perception, well, why is our perception inaccurate? Why doesn't our perception see the perfection within? And it comes down to this idea of self-love. And again, we talked about this too on episode 38, How to Find Self-Love. And I recommend that you go and listen to that episode to get into this in more depth. But basically, the way you feel about yourself is going to determine your situation in life. Now, intellectually, again, you can say, oh, I love myself, I love myself, but look at your behaviors, how you're taking care of yourself. Are you doing things that are making you feel better? And when I say make you feel better, maybe this isn't the proper way, but are are you engaging in behaviors that are helping you to see the truth, to see this authentic nature come out. 
right? And this is very easy to do. At least it's easy to observe, right? We can look at our behaviors and say, is this behavior something that is expressing love to myself or is it something that is harming myself? When you wake up early in the morning to do yoga, what you're doing is you're showing yourself that you love yourself. When you're eating healthy, you're saying, I want to take care of myself. And this is this idea of discipline. And discipline is only necessary when you don't understand cause and effect. Right? We can look at uh, Coca-Cola. There's not one nutritional aspect of this drink, yet people are drinking it. And some people may be addicted to this drink. They like it so much they can't stop drinking it. But for me, I would look at it and say, okay, is this harming myself or is this helping me? And if it's harming myself, why do I want to harm myself? And, and the same thing with drugs and alcohol, right? When I engaged in these behaviors, I noticed that when I was feeling good about myself that I didn't do this because I enjoyed the way I felt so well, I didn't want to change it. And so this is what you want to do is you want to look at what your behavior is doing. Is it making you a better person or is it harming you? And if it's difficult to stop doing it, this is what we call the addiction, right? And we often say, oh, you need more discipline. But discipline is not the answer. Uh, Discipline is only necessary when you don't understand. Because think about this. If it was just discipline, why don't you need discipline to do things that harm yourself? Right? You don't need discipline to eat bad food. You don't need discipline to do bad behaviors. Why is that? You only need discipline to do things that are good for you. And it's because the battle isn't the battle of discipline, one tendency compared to another tendency. The battle is self-love to self-loathing. And if you love yourself, it takes away this idea of discipline. And you do things that are only showing love to yourself through the way you communicate, the behavior that you take, the activities that you engage in, the people that you associate with, the relationships that you have are all dependent on how you feel about yourself. And you can go listen to episode 13, Why Discipline is Not the Answer, and it gives a very good description of this, and I highly recommend this episode. But uh, I highly recommend all my episodes. So, But truthfully, it's, it's really a way to look at what discipline really is, because discipline isn't the battle between one tendency and another, and it's a tendency to do something that's good for you and something that's harmful. It's really the tendency of how much do you love yourself compared to how much you don't. And this is the only, well, it's the biggest obstacle, the primary obstacle to change is this idea of really learning how to appreciate the self And we think about this and we say, oh, when I feel better about myself, then I will do this behavior, then I will do this. But it doesn't work that way. It's not the feeling that's going to cause the behavior, it's the behavior that's going to change this feeling. And so you need to start to engage in these behaviors that express love to yourself, to perceive yourself with this perfection. When you look in the mirror, say, I am perfect. 
These are just experiences. They're just causing these experiences. They're not who I am. And who I am is beyond these thoughts. It's beyond these behaviors. And you need to learn how to perceive yourself beyond this so that you can start behaving in a way that represents this perfection. To do things that elevate yourself to this divine nature. To witness this beauty within. You know, we often consciously or unconsciously compare ourselves to other people. Say, well, why is this person successful and I'm not successful? What is going on with me? What is wrong with me? And we start to perceive ourselves as less than. And so then we diminish our lives. We diminish our attributes. We diminish our behavior. And we accept something that is less than the truth, that is less than our divine nature. And you see this all over the place. Look at other people, the way they walk, the way they move through life, the the way they behave, the way they communicate. It's all a representation of how they perceive themselves. And if you want change in your life, start to perceive this perfection. And when the thoughts arise that say, well, you're not so good or you're insecure or that you're not good at this, just close your eyes, take a deep breath and say, what would someone who is perfect at this behavior do right now? And why am I not doing that? Look at someone who is perfect in their business, in their relationships, in their actions in life and say, well, why am I not doing this? And then engage in these activities as if you are someone who deserves it. And fight the tendencies to bow down to these thoughts and to these reactions. And it takes love. Say, I deserve it. I deserve to be successful. I deserve to be happy. I deserve to be healthy. And I'm going to behave like someone who does deserve this. And when I have these thoughts or these feelings that try to detract me from this, I'm going to not listen to them because I know they're just words, they're just thoughts. And these thoughts are not me. I don't need to react to them. And this is why it's good to go listen to episode 28, one that I highly recommend, How to Experience Yourself Beyond Your Mind and Body, because this is the preparation for getting past these ideas of inadequacy, of a lack of confidence, a lack of self-love. Because you are divine, you are perfect. There's nothing about you that is not divine. You are this divine being having this human experience, and you are the only one that could prevent yourself from living a divine life. So. When you look in the mirror today, when you think about yourself, think about this beauty, this perfection within, and take care of it. Engage in behaviors that show this beautiful being. Engage in activities that show how much you appreciate yourself. And take care of yourself. Love yourself. 
and let this be the reflection that shines upon all those in your life. And this is what compassion is. Compassion is just the reflection of self-love. If love was the sun, compassion would be its rays. So the more you love yourself, the more compassion you will have for those around you. So love yourself. And be the perfection within. I'd like to tell you about Sing Flutes. These are flutes that are made by me. They are handcrafted Native American-style flutes designed for sound healing. The flutes are tuned to the frequency of 432 hertz, the harmonic intonation of nature. The fundamental note of each flute is in a key to vibrate a particular chakra. Whether you are playing for others or yourself, listening to 432 hertz music resonates inside the body. In fact, they did a medical study where they hooked people up to a brain and heart monitor and played different instruments to them. The Native American-style flute had the most impact in relaxing them. If you're a yoga teacher, it's a great instrument to incorporate into your classes. What I do is I have an app on my iPad that has the sounds of nature, and I'll put on the sounds of rain and play over this to the students at the end of the class. It's a very intuitive instrument to play. There's no musical knowledge necessary to get started. Each flute is unique since they're handmade. I put different artwork on them. I put mantras on them related to the chakras that they're tuned to. So go check them out at singflutes.com, S-I-N-G-H-F-L-U-T-E-S.com. Use the discount code, the story of me podcast and get 10% off. Thank you for joining me today. I hope everyone enjoyed the program. Again, please make a contribution, help support the podcast. I rely on the generosity of you, the listeners, and you can go to thestoryofmepodcast.com and on the contact page, you can make a donation. Uh, You can also find this link on the episode description and help support me and the podcast. Also, please send me your questions to be answered on the program. I'd love to hear from you, the listeners from the podcast that awakens your inner power through awareness and understanding. Allow love to be the current that carries your words and actions. Why, Guru, why, Guru, why?